0: Father God, thank you that we can come here this morning to hear from your word. Lord, thank you that you speak to us. Lord, thank you that you are the God who is just. The God who is righteous. The God who is true. The God whose purposes never fail. Thank you, Lord God, that you are the God of great mercy and compassion and patience. Thank you, Lord, that you are the God who always keeps his promises. And as we look at this passage and this weird stuff that Ezekiel has done and the harsh message that he seems to be bringing, I just pray that you would open our hearts and our ears that we might see your message for us. In this text. The Holy Spirit I dare to pray that that you would use even the words from this mouth this morning. Amen. Ezekiel is a nutcase. Wouldn't you agree? I mean just, just picture if you had a relative. Who did the sort of things that Ezekiel did. We're told that Ezekiel is married as his wife dies off about five years after this incident. What on earth was his wife thinking as she saw her husband waste away in this drama against Jerusalem? What on earth is this all? Now if we go through the prophets, it's not uncommon for us to see the prophets doing these little dramas trying to get a point across. Because uh, in many ways a drama helps us to not only see the point but also to feel the point. It it brings it in really close. Uh, At Super Club we do a lot of dramas with the kids and they act out the Bible stories because it becomes real to them. It's not just a story, it's something that they can associate with and remember better because they've they've seen it acted out. But Ezekiel takes the cake in terms of acting out the drama. He sits here for what, 390 plus 40, 430 days acting out the drama of God. Mostly in silence. And the people who walked past his house must have thought him a fruitcake. But I can almost guarantee that he would have been the attraction of the year. As you went to work, you'd stop and you'd, you'd have a look. What is old Ezekiel doing today? Oh, yep, he's on his left side still. What's Ezekiel doing today? Oh, how strange. He's on his right side now. What is Ezekiel doing today? Oh, he's got a sword out. Everyone would be talking about Ezekiel. Everyone would be discussing what this weirdo was doing. Trying to figure out what is the message that this prophet of God, this, this man we thought of as a priest, a highly respected man, what is he saying to us? bit of history for us here. Uh, Remember Ezekiel came into exile with Jehoiachin, uh, the king. Uh, Not a nice king. We're told in in the book of Kings that he did evil in the sight of the Lord. Um, He tried to rebel against the Babylonians. Uh, Three months Jerusalem was besieged while Jehoiachin was king. After three months he saw the terrible state the city was in. And he gave up and said, right, we'll go. He was then taken off into exile. uh, And the king of the uh, Nebuchadnezzar decided he was going to appoint Zedekiah as the king. Which lasted quite well for a while. Zedekiah did what Nebuchadnezzar wanted him to do. Until he started getting pally with Egypt and decided what, about five years from the time that that Ezekiel prophesies it, that he was going to rebel against Nebuchadnezzar. And so Zedekiah starts this rebellion. And the city of Jerusalem is besieged and destroyed. This is what Ezekiel is prophesying. Four or five years before it happens. There's uh, three acts, if you want, to the drama that Ezekiel puts on for us. The first one is this: the siege of Jerusalem. The first eight verses of chapter 4. Uh, Ezekiel, we're told, he gets this mud brick, the, the common brick of the day. Uh, and while it's still wet or damp, he's able to draw in from memory, because he loved Jerusalem so much, a, a map. Of how Jerusalem looked. And he puts that down on the ground and he starts building a model of the city of Jerusalem being besieged. And can you imagine the people would have watched him doing this, going, Wow, wow, this is bad news, but but surely he's gonna show us now that God is gonna defend Jerusalem because God loves Jerusalem. Surely God is going to wipe away these siege works. We'll come back tomorrow. You'll see Ezekiel get rid of him. But instead we're told that that Ezekiel borrows from his poor wife the griddle pan, a thick metal plate, and he holds it between him and this besieged city. And the people see Ezekiel is being God in the drama. And rather than God wiping out the siege works and saving his city, there is a barrier between God and the city. And Ezekiel does another bit of acting here to to get the same point across. We're told that he lies down on his left side for 390 days. No longer is he playing the part of God, cutting himself off from Jerusalem. Here Ezekiel is playing the part of the Israelite nation themselves. We're told that for 390 days he has to bear upon himself the sins of the people. Not literally taking their sins onto himself, but but sort of representing all the sins and the weight of the judgment that needs to come. And God says he himself bound him up so that he couldn't move. 390 days. It's about approximately the time from the dedication of the temple of Solomon to its fall and destruction in 587 B.C. God says all this time all this sin and then for 40 more days he lies on his right side 40 days representing the 40 years that is a generation the time in the exile 390 40 430 days in total Sounds harsh, doesn't it? Well, I suppose there's a couple of things we should remember here 390 days of rebellion, 390 years, symbolically, of rebellion against God. And God acts in judgment because God is just. Because God does not let sin stand forever. But I love how God has worked the numbers out. Because even in this judgment drama of Ezekiel, we see a sliver of hope 430 years would have sprung to the minds of the people watching. This is about the same time that we suffered in Egypt before God rescued us. In other words, this drama that Ezekiel is putting on says, yes, there is sin. Yes, there has been rebellion against God. Yes, God has Cut himself off from his people in his righteousness and, and his holiness. He refuses to, to be allied with this people who reject him. And yes, he will send them into exile. And yes, it will be horrible. But there will come a time when the people of God are brought back. There will be a new exodus, a new return from judgment. New life. I don't think we talk very often about how God takes sin very seriously. We're told in the Bible that that we reap what we sow. If we live according to the Spirit, we, we reap life. If we live, re, live according to the flesh, we reap death. Ezekiel goes on, and, and God gives him this recipe for his meal and his drink. About 600 milliliters of water that he gets to drink every day. And, as you said, about 210-220 grams of bread that he got to eat every day. This is starvation rations. Ezekiel's 30 years old. For a fit 30-year-old, he could just about survive. Pretty lucky he was lying still most of the time because he wouldn't have had much energy and he would have got gaunter and hallowed hollowed cheeked he would have looked a shadow of a man and his bread made out of Stuff that shouldn't be made into bread. <laughs> After the first 20 days, must have tasted horrible. Absolutely horrible. God's point, of course, there is that his people would suffer. In this judgment against them. That Jerusalem would be in famine situations. And that when they left. They would live an unclean life. They would have to eat food that is unclean. And it's a wonderful story there where, where God says to Ezekiel. My friend go and grab yourself some human feces and cook your bread over it. Um, And Ezekiel, (laughs) for the first time, says, "Ah, God, please, no, anything but that. And God is so gracious and says, fine. Use some cow dung instead. What a wonderful God we have, who is gracious enough to to cut down a bit of the, the strength of the drama for the sake of his servant, Ezekiel. Wonderful God. Then we see the final drama of Ezekiel. Chapter 5, verses 1 to 4. Ezekiel shaves his head and his beard. Now, if I haven't shaved for about a week, even with a modern safety razor, shaving is not pleasant. Does any blokes agree with me there? Yeah? Now, imagine a year's worth of stubble stubble and you have to shave this not with a safety razor and without a mirror but with a honking big sword I can guarantee you that Ezekiel would have drawn blood on more than one occasion he would have been cutting himself injuring himself, shaving off this hair But the pain wouldn't have been the most shocking thing because we've got to remember that Ezekiel was a priest. And Leviticus says that the priests were not to shave their heads. So for the public to see here is a priest being defrocked. And Ezekiel borrows from his wife the kitchen scales and accurately measures out into three piles the hair that he has shaved. God's judgment is never arbitrary or random, but deliberate. First pile he takes and he puts it on the clay brick on which he has drawn The city of Jerusalem against which he has built the siege works. And they burnt up. The second pile of of hair he, he strews over the city and he slashes at it with a sword. Can you imagine a guy who has been living on starvation rations for 430 days? trying to wield the sword. And, uh, 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 uh. He takes the last pile and he throws it to the wind. And all that's left is a tiny, tiny sample of hair that gets tucked into the fold of his cloak. And even some of that gets thrown out. That people would have got what he was saying. In fact, if you read the second half of chapter 5, we're told that some would die of disease and sickness during the siege of Jerusalem. Others would be killed by the sword. And the rest would be scattered to the far corners. God takes judgment and justice seriously. But notice those few hairs which are kept back. You see, throughout these dramas, it's, it's just harshness and judgment and justice and, and God's righteousness being put into effect against those who rebel against Him. But, but in each instance, there is a sliver of hope, uh, a certainty that God's promise to His people would not fail. 430 years, saying in the first act, That God would rescue his people. And here with the hair we see that there is going to be a remnant. Because God was not going to get rid of his people completely. Because God had promised on oath to himself that he would bless the whole world through the descendants of Abraham. And after 430 years, 430 days, in reality, Ezekiel speaks, and he points to the brick on the ground. He says, this is Jerusalem. Wow. The people back then thought that Jerusalem was inviolable. That nothing could stand against it. That God was her protector. Even if they rejected him. You see, God had put Jerusalem at the center of the universe. Not because it was a particularly beautiful city. Not because it was a particularly wonderful place. It's actually on quite a small hill, Jerusalem. God says in chapter 5, verse 5 and 6 that he put Jerusalem at the center of the world because out of Jerusalem would come salvation for all the nations. And yet this city which was meant to be a light to the world, a nation of priests, We're told in verse 6, became the darkest blot. Because they knew God. They knew of his righteousness and his holiness. They knew what they were to do to live in according to to his statutes and and his ways. And yet they chose to ignore God. And to follow after other gods. God says, I will use this place as a light for the world, and instead they became a dark blot far worse than their neighbors. You know, as we look outside the church to the world around us and we see how people are living in ways that are just totally contrary to the way God calls us to live. What saddens me is when we look and we see those same lifestyles and sins happening in the church. Do you know that the, the rate of divorce in the church and outside the church is exactly the same. And that's just one example. And if, I, if Ezekiel 4 and 5 teach us anything, it's, it's that in God's sight, the sins of those who know God, well, we are so much more responsible than those who do not. Because God has shown us the way to live justly and rightly. And so the failures that we see in Ezekiel 4 and 5. Of a people of Jerusalem. Choosing to rebel against God. When he has revealed so much of himself to them. These are an examples. For us, a warning for us. Ezekiel's dramas show us two things they show the wrath of God and his seriousness against sin. but they also show us His love and His promise to keep to His promise. And this morning we've celebrated communion, which is the ultimate drama. Ezekiel lay on his side for 430 days to represent the sin of the people, weighing him down. Jesus was actually weighed down by our sins. The judgment that fell on Jerusalem for rejecting her God was horrible. Horrendous, but nothing compared to the wrath of God poured out on Christ as he hung on the cross. The cross is the ultimate drama showing the love of God and the wrath of God come together. And things like communion and baptism, sacraments, they're, they're our ways of reenacting something of that drama. To remind us that He has called us to new life. Romans 11.22 says, Consider therefore the kindness and sternness of God. Sternness to those who fell, but kindness to you, provided you continue in His kindness. Otherwise you too Will be cut off. But remember his kindness. Amen.